0: Hello and welcome to Sony Music Presents Time to Talk. I'm your host, Sean Sennett, and joining me today is one of the world's modern embodiments of the classic rock star, Taylor Hawkins. Taylor, as you know, is the drummer of the Foo Fighters. He's also a terrific singer and a lover of rock and roll tales. He joins me today to discuss the recording of the new Foo Fighters record, Medicine at Midnight. The band recorded the album with Greg Kirsten in Los Angeles. You'll hear tales of a haunted house the band's sonic aspirations for the album and a special guest rockstar swings by towards the end of our chat when i called taylor as you can hear he's roaming around his house you'll sort of hear background noise um it's a it's a fragment of taylor hawkins life uh, i hope you enjoy the conversation here he is taylor hawkins hey g'day taylor how are you Hi, how are you buddy Good, mate. Welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm excited. I'm on a podcast. I, I'm in the bathroom right now, so I'll walk out of the bathroom so it doesn't sound like I'm an echo chamber. If that would help, be helpful to you.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. The echo, echo was good, but this is better. Hey, I was just talking to uh, Rob Hurst from Midnight Oil, and he said to pass on his regards to you as a fellow drummer.
1: Oh, he's amazing. He's an amazing drummer. He's one of those guys I remember when I was a kid uh, hearing power and the passions on MTV, and and I think he like played pots and pans as well. Like
0: he would do like a pots and pans solo or something like that. Yeah, he's got a water tank and he smashed a lava lamp at the end of it. You can just hear it just go just at the very end of the track. It's great.
1: He's he he was one of those. I mean, you know what's funny is, uh you guys had a lot of good drummers. The guy from NXS was really great. Is really great too.
0: John Farris. That's his name. Yeah, great drummer.
1: Right. Yes. Right.
0: You've got a new record, which is very exciting. I heard it uh, for the first time a couple of days ago, and the great thing is making a fire. It starts with that sort of killer drum pattern kicking off the track.
1: Well, yeah, man. That's a that's the first thing we recorded actually for the record, and um, you know that that was a song that Dave had kind of demoed on his own, and he really knew how he wanted to start. The record, and so what you hear is definitely the way he wanted to start the record, and uh, it's the first time we've ever used uh, drum loops. We've just never done that before, and I was I was a little leery of the idea to be honest at first, Um, but in the end, it gets it it gives you something. It's like you know, it's like Phil Collins using a drum machine. You're like, well, why does Phil Collins need to use a drum machine? He's a, he's like, one of the greatest drummers ever. Um, but you just get a different feel. It's just something you just get something different from the drum loop. Obviously, when it's a drum loop, you you get this sort of almost not mechanical, but but sort of it's so perfectly monotonous, you know, that it it's it just it's something that no matter how good you are as a drummer, um, I mean, I guess you can fix anything now on a computer, but, you can't, but there's something about a tape loop going around in a circle. You know, another one bites the dust is, is a drum loop. And there's just something about that that, is, that is, has its own thing. And as I said, I was, a little, I was a little opposed to the idea at first, to be honest. And then... Yeah. And then after I started kind of getting into the vibe that Dave was really going for, and kind of going, kind of embracing it, I kind of went, "Oh, okay, that's cool." You know, it is like our Queen the game, if you will. This this album, you know, it's it's a lot more sort of, you know, heavier, more more. I don't know. It's like I don't want to say it's dancey, but it is kind of. It is kind of Mm. dancey,
0: you know if you will. Do you think, kind of? <laughs> well, it's very catchy. It's, it, well, I think it's very, very immediate. I mean, it's nine songs. It goes for under 40 minutes. And things like, you know, a lot of BVs. It's very anthemic kind of record. And I saw that Dave compared it to maybe Bowie's Let's Dance or The Stones Tattoo You for kind of like a feel and an attitude. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I would, actually. I mean, that was definitely the motive Going in was to make something that was that we we didn't want to make a long record. We wanted to make something that that was uh, you know kind of quick. You know, we didn't want to get we didn't want to get make another double record with you know a bunch of different. We wanted to have a record that was like kind of like the records we grew up on, which were not long because they just didn't have records couldn't be that long when we were kids because vinyl yeah the vinyl you know could only withstand so long and if and if you made and and the shorter the album was, the better it sounded because the grooves could i don't know how it all worked, but it just you wanted your record to be shorter back then because it just would sound better so i I just think we wanted to make an immediate as you said an immediate, quick, catchy record, you know.
0: Yeah, and you're right, all those compilations I'd buy as a kid, like we used to have things like uh, Scorcher. Uh, Scorcher seventy seven or seventy eight and uh, they'd all have like twenty tracks on there. <laughs> they were so thin the way they sounded. So you're right, the less tracks, the deeper the grooves, the bigger the record sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Indeed.
1: I, I like concise records. I mean, I like I like I like big giant concept records too, but I I, I do like concise sort of records as well you know we've done the long records this was it was good to do a quick get in and out quick
0: kind of thing you know what i mean so so circling back to those drum loops were you making the loop yourself or were they coming from machines was it taylor hawkins looped
1: so literally i just would play the groove for you know i don't know a minute or two until we felt like we had pick our favorite eight bars or whatever it is or yeah. six or however many bars we decided to use. Cause shame, shame uses the same technique. And we just picked the, 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 the loop that we liked, the, you know, cut, you know, and, and that's the bed for the, for the, for the rhythm tracks for the verses. But then the choruses are played, Um. you know, as a performance so that so that song mixes that with that
0: you know i don't know if you've seen the new Bee Gees documentary yet but uh they use the same i
1: did it that's so
0: it's so funny that
1: that that you said that because i watched that with my wife the other night and they realized and the the drummer had to split town and so they just took you know one of the other drum tracks and put it to the tempo that they wanted it and spliced it and then there you have it, you know? I think, I don't know who did it for, I don't know if it was the Beatles who did it like on Tomorrow because Tomorrow Never Knows is also
0: a tape loop. That was a tape loop that kind of ran through various rooms, I think, with pencils turning the tape. They didn't have enough machines.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean obviously it was so much more difficult to do back then than, than, it is, than it is now. It's just so easy to do now, you know? Which is, which is good, which is not it. Yeah. But also, you know, I, do, I wouldn't mind making a, a tape loop record. Some, like, you know, if we record a record on tape again, which hopefully we will at some point, because um, it's just definitely a different approach, um, you, the, you, you know, I wouldn't mind doing one on that, that, that you do, like, on tape. That would be, that would, or that you really, really actually cut tape loops. That would be cool. I would be into that, for sure.
0: Now, tell me about the house in Encino you recorded at. It was like a 1940s house near Dave's Place, and you guys, what, were in there for three or four months recording with Greg Kirsten again?
1: Yes. It's, uh,
0: it's, it's kind of creepy.
1: It's, it was a, there was something very creepy and off about that place. And I never liked being there at night. I, I didn't mind it during the day. So much, but at night it really was
0: it was creepy, to say the least. I heard that you guys kind of minimized the barbecue time and the drinking time so you could get out of there once once darkness hit, right? Oh yeah,
1: I tried to get out of there before dark every night. I didn't like it there and at, at dark, I didn't like creep me out. And I've never been really creeped out by a house, but that house definitely creeped me out.
0: I was sort of wondering, the first time I would have seen you play, did you come down here on that big Alanis Morissette tour on the big record?
1: Yeah. Oh God, no.
0: So you would have played all those festival halls around Australia and so forth, 5,000 seaters, I guess, at that time?
1: That was me, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: When you got the call from Dave to join the Foo Fighters, or no, he actually rang you to ask you who, who he should get to play drums. Did you, have to, did you make your decision in a heartbeat to join the band?
1: Um, yeah, it was actually me who actually got a hold of Dave because I'd heard on the radio, that, literally on the radio. I was driving down in the road, and I heard that the Foo Farge was looking for a new drummer. And, you know, I just kind of felt like my time was up with Alanis. You know, I think that she was thinking about going in a different, in a different uh, direction, maybe a little bit more adult, you know, less heavy and... You know, I just, I think I just wanted to play in a rock band. Um, I, I really just, that was my, you know, I always wanted to play in a rock band, you know, having said that, I had such a great time on that last tour, really did. And we had such a blast and, oh my God, we had such a, such a, such a good time. It was amazing. <laughs> And I'll always treasure those times. And I mean, I wouldn't be talking to you if it wasn't for, you know, Alanis Morissette hooking me up with that gig in the first place, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it was great. It was amazing. I'd love to do something with Alanis again someday. We We've kind of become buddies again. And, you know, we text and email and done a few things. You know, I did her some sort of podcast thing with her that she does. You know, just managed to try and stay friends, and hopefully one day we can do something together.
0: When I heard uh, Shame, Shame for the first time, that very percussive drumming you've got, it reminded me a bit of your hero, Stuart Copeland. Huh.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, uh,. He's definitely my hero. He's definitely
0: one of them. Um, yeah, I think I could see what you mean by that. What about your tribute band, The Cops? Is that still going? You know, it's been a while. Obviously, we haven't done
1: anything in a long time. Um, it's been a while since since I since I played with them. But I definitely, really, it's really fun. That's really a fun thing to do. So I'm hoping that you know, once things open back up again, then we can go out and play live. That that I like, could to go out and be Stuart Copeland for the night every once
0: in a while you know it's fun it's really really fun Now with this record I read that Dave uh, was demoing songs maybe at the end of the the last time you guys were on the road how does it work with an album like this does he send you uh, files or CDs or does he sit down with you and play your songs on the guitar did you have any input as a writer on the tracks on the record
1: um this one, this record was pretty, pretty conceived before I even walked in the room. Um, so, so most of the album, Dave had pretty, pretty good demos for, you know, like, like this is how it should be, <laughs> kind of demos. Yes, yeah, so about half of this record, we knew exactly what we were going to play. Um, and then to pick a song like Waiting on the War or you take a song like uh, uh, Chasing Birds, or you take a song like uh, uh, Love Guys And those were all sort of written in the room together, you know, uh, in the jam room, sort of like Dave's got this, I got these two ideas, and let's form it into a song and, and that one, those were written that way. But a lot of the, but pretty much all the other ones were pretty well demoed before I, I got there. So, you know, songs can happen in so many different ways. I mean, and they've been done in so many different ways in this band. You know, Dave Dave is more than capable of obviously of playing all the instruments, and and he can make pretty pretty awesome close to the album demo by himself fairly quickly. So, but you know, he leaves a little spaces open for everyone to have, be creative. And you know, my drum fills are kind of my drum fills, and. But then, like, on a song like Love Dies Young, I, I, I kind of thought of the, the groove for that. Dave had something else in mind that we tried. And it didn't really work. And so I said, well, what if I do this? And I did that. And that's where we ended up with that.
0: It sounded sound like Venuti from from The Killers. fucking <laughs> great song, by the way. I thought that Love Dies Young's a great ending to the record. Pick that rocking outro you guys have come up with. It's very alive, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's almost got a sort of 80s thing to it. I mean, I think it's like almost sort of homage to the 80s, to our 80s youth than, than any record we've ever made, you know. Medicine at Midnight definitely has, like, it sounds like it could have been off Let's Dance. Um, Chasing Birds is very Lennon esque, obviously. It's got a Beatles feel to it uh, or a John Lennon solo feel to it.
0: Waiting on a War kind of reminded me a little bit of Pink Floyd, too, in a good way. Like kind of wall era Pink Floyd.
1: Yeah, wall era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it reminded me of Springsteen a little bit, too. Ah. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, I could see that. I mean, uh, I could definitely. Uh, obviously, Waiting on a War sounds like a, a title, you know, Roger Waters could have written. Absolutely. Um, it sounds kind of Roger Watersy. Oh, my daddy was in the war. He died in the war. <laughs> so yes, I, I, I could see that. Um I didn't really feel like the song sounds like Floyd, but just the I that the sort of the idea. But the yeah. song I think, you know, I think I think to be honest, that's my favorite song and I think that's the one of Dave's finest moments ever as a songwriter. I really, really do. Wow simple and naive and, and in its sweet way. You know, I've been waiting on a war since I was young, since I was a little boy with a toy gun. And I think that all of us can relate to that. You know, growing up in the 80s and the Cold War, in the 90s when we first started messing around over in the Middle East, and then, you know, just the Korean, the, the North Korea, South Korea stuff. You know, now with our, you know, administration here and, and, and our sort of government sort of people are definitely, you know, divided, you know, our country's super divided right now, you know, between the people who love Trump and the people who despise him, you know, and, and those are all little wars, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, Dave's and the whole thing was, yeah, I've been waiting on a war since I can't, I can't remember not, and I think his daughter said something to the effect when they were somewhere, like, in the North Korea thing was happening and stuff, you know, that. and I think she said, Daddy, are we going to go to war? And, you know, that's kind of a, it's kind of like a, it's a palpable sort of fear for a child and, you know, to live a little bit in fear, you know, mm-hmm. really you know, because this could all be, you know, we could all freaking be dead at any moment, you know. We could, the whole thing could explode, you know. We, the war could happen at any time, you know. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's definitely, it's definitely like, a, you know, a real emotion, a real thing, and a real feeling, and, and something that we all, like, you know, I'm sure you can attest to, grew up with. So that's my favorite song on the record. By far, I love Da Young. I love No Son of Mine. I really do. Um, it took me a while to come around to Shame Shame because I was like, "Wait, who? What band are we right now?" <laughs> 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 and then, and then once I kind of accepted that that we're trying something very new, very different, then I got into it. And yeah. actually, those, those groovy songs are really, really fun to play live because, you know, being the drummer in the Foo Fighters is a tiring experience and just because when you're playing, you know, punk rock for, you know, three hours. Yeah. It's, it's hard work, man. And, but then when we go and when we play Shane, Shane, or we play, you know, Medicine at Midnight, or we play, even uh, you know the first one that you mentioned, uh, um, making a fire. Yes. There's, still, there's a lot more. There's a lot more space in those rooms. You know what I mean? There's just a lot more space. It's not so kinetic. kinetic you know, it's not so you know <titanium humming> like a lot of our music. You know. Yeah. Um. And so I actually, I'm fucking bummed that we can't go out and play it live.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, you guys were going to hold for a tour. But did you eventually just say to yourselves, forget the whole tour thing, let's just put the record out and entertain people that way?
1: Yeah, I mean, fuck it. You know, we were having all these meetings with our management Zoom meetings like everyone else over the, over the you know, before in, in April and May. You know, basically everyone said, well, it's suicide to put your record out right now. Everyone's records are failing. Suicide. It's commercial suicide you can't tour, you're a touring band, you're a rock band, that's, you know, that's what you do. And, um, and now that you can't tour, you know, it's suicide to play your record. And it might be, and it might still be. And, you know, it might be a bad business decision. But, Dave's and I, and I, got, and I get this, being the songwriter, being the lyricist, these are songs that are for this time in his life. You know? And to just go, oh, we well, we just we're just not going to put it out till for till 2000, you know, yeah. 22. It, it's like you would feel funny sitting on a record that
0: long, you know. You, you it just wouldn't feel right. You you would have moved on to the next one by then.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll have another one by then. And and the truth of the matter is, if it doesn't perform as well because we can't go out and play it live then so be it, you know? We'll get out there again live eventually when everything is safe and people are feel comfortable again, and, and, and we'll get to see. You know, because it's funny, the real litmus test for our songs is really the audience. So, yeah. like, if we were out on tour right now, and we, every time we played, you know, Shame, people ran as fast as they could to the beer stands or whatever, Dave would eventually take it off the set list. Uh, if yeah. we were doing, you know, uh, Waiting on a War and everyone... Would, I mean, those. that's how we know if the song is going gonna, is gonna to last. And a lot of our hits that people consider to be like these big, giant hits, they weren't necessarily big, giant hits when they came out. Like, Times Like These was not really a big radio hit it did pretty good but it wasn't yeah. a smash by any sense of the word but the fact that we've got so many different kind of versions of it the the quiet version and the explodes at the end and, and the full regular live ver- and the full regular rock version and it's taken on a life of its own and now people consider it one of our biggest songs
0: yeah
1: and it was not at the time even Everlong was not really, It that was the second single for Color in the Shape. And I remember specifically that it did not perform as well as the company, the record company, and, and Dave and everyone was hoping it would. It did not. It, it was underwhelming chart-wise. It didn't do that great. It did okay. The video was popular because it was so weird and all that, but but once again, it, now through the years, people, it's our biggest song. And we end our, our shows with it pretty much every night. And, and it's just one of those songs that, once Dave did the acoustic version on Howard Stern, well then it got a new set of legs. And then they started, and then Dave rushed, and then our manager was like, well, they really like that. So Dave rushed into the studio and made an acoustic version of it. Just Dave yeah. and the acoustic guitar on them. And, and, you know, that one probably gets more dreams than the actual rock one from the album. So, I don't know, you know, and that, and that's, that's the hard thing. putting out this record now. We don't know. We won't know really what, what people really like, because we're not going to be able to see it in their eyes when we get in front of them, you know? So, yeah. so we don't know, you know, but, but we couldn't sit on it. It just, Dave couldn't sit on it as a songwriter, and everyone said that you're blown. You're making a huge mistake putting it out. But also, one of the things that Dave feels, and we all feel, is that listen, if if our hardcore fans—not the people who just like the hits—but our hardcore fans, the ones that know, you know, freaking, uh, you know, have it all up one by one, and and know, you know know, you know the songs that weren't necessarily on the radio. Those people that know those songs—they—they, um, they, uh, those those are the people who will listen to this whole record, and who will, you know, be stoked to have this. And so, in a way, we feel like giving people some new material to enjoy, if they really are Foo Fighters fans, um, is a is a nice. Special treat to have right now when everyone's you know fucking locked up, locked up back here you know in the, in their houses you know and and in their backyards and you know and you know it, listen it's entertainment obviously we're, we're 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 our job is to take people's minds off their problems you know that's the job that's high high yeah you. I just thought of my dog that's the job you know so like in, you know if, 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 if people can get a little bit of uh, just a little bit of pleasure because they got a new foo fighter record i mean fuck it if janes addiction was if janes addiction was putting out a new record right now i would be fucking psyched because i would have a new janes addiction record you know um, if queens of the stone age put out a new record right now i will be fucking i'd be fucking psyched so, yeah. yes, if a commercial suicide maybe to put out a record right now, probably. But at the same time, we're not going to sit on a record for fucking two years. There's no, no way. They probably, no. We, the songs won't mean anything to us at that point. Sorry, Sean, just a two-minute reminder. Thank you.
0: Thank you. He's a bad guy. I'll give, yeah. I'll give you three more. I'll give you three more minutes. I love Thank you. I'll take that third minute, which gives me the opportunity to ask you. I saw that the documentary about the twenty-five years that you guys have done, and I'm just guessing you've, you're married. You've had children. There are amazing things in your life. Apart from being married and having children, was the greatest moment of your life singing rock and roll with Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones?
1: No, the greatest moment of my life was getting to record and meet. Dave Navarro, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Wow. <laughs> he happens to be right here. You... <laughs> getting to meet Dave Navarro, getting to, getting to play with Dave Navarro, it's been one of the fucking best things ever in my life. And I really do mean that. But, you know, I, I will say... Um,
0: Can we ask Dave Navarro what the best not thing of his life was?
1: Yeah, Dave, what's the, best thing, what's the best thing that's ever happened in your life, rock and roll-wise? Playing with Lou Reed. What? Playing with Lou Reed. Not playing uh, with Taylor Hawkins, fucking asshole. Uh, playing with Lou yeah, Reed. Thank you. I know, I know. Yeah, I know. Thanks a lot, Dave. God, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, um, one, of my, one of the gifts, the best things about being in the Foo Fighters, dude, I, I'm telling you, my biggest gift that I've gotten from it is getting to play and meet all my heroes. And that goes from, that goes from, sorry, those are guitars. That goes from, uh, you know, that goes from Robert Plant and, and our, our deck, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones. The Queen guys, obviously. The Queen guys, Roger Taylor is a dear friend, sort of. Uh, Brian May, uh, Mick Jagger. Uh, oh, well. Perry Farrell as
0: well. Um, the list fucking goes on and that Didn't Paul McCartney get on your drum kit?
1: Yeah, Paul McCartney played drums On, on <laughs> the song that I sang on Concrete and Wall Played drums on Band on the Run He's fucking great
0: Yeah, no, I love his drumming on Band on the Run It's fantastic I, I do too, yeah no, He's a songwriter drummer, you know He doesn't sit there and show
1: off With all his amazing drum fills He literally is, But he just has such a great feel He really does so, yeah. yeah, he's a fucking great drummer I mean, oh, the correct. list goes on and on being friends with Stuart copeland and playing with him all that shit
0: yeah it's a rock and roll dream come true it is yeah well congrats again on the record it really is a terrific record
1: well you know what i'm glad you enjoy it and i'm glad it brought some some fun to your life and i know you guys are a little bit better off down there than we are here in australia you i don't think you guys are quite as closed down and i think you're kind of opened up a little bit more right now
0: correct yeah that's right yeah no we're very fortunate down here it's a bubble compared to the rest of the world
1: well good enjoy it enjoy it that's nice and 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 uh you know it's been a pleasure talking to you man and uh i'm glad that you like the record and uh i'm just you know yeah get ready for more music we're all we're all busy as fuck we all stay busy in our separate lives as well so you know and i continue to make music pretty much every day
0: Ah, massive thanks to our special guest today, Taylor Hawkins. How cool was it to get that little bit of Dave Navarro on the line there too at the end? Uh, The Foo Fighters' new record, Medicine at Midnight, is out now. I'm your host, Sean Sennett, and thanks for joining us this week on Sony Music Presents Time to Talk. Hope you can join us again very soon.